Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the UBS Conversations podcast channel as today we are continuing with our wealth planning podcast series. For today's topic, it will be life insurance for young families. I am joined by our moderator for today, Eric Sini, Executive Director and Wealth Planning Strategist here at UBS. So with that, Eric, welcome back. I'll pass it over to you to provide some more background as well as to introduce our special guest. Fantastic. Dan, as I always tell you, this podcast does not happen without you. I really appreciate all that you do to keep the engine running here, so thank you again. Hello, everyone. Eric Sini here. I'm excited to share another edition of the Wealth Planning Podcast. Uh, Today, we are going to follow up on one that we did last year, estate planning for young families. Uh, And we decided what we wanted to do today was take a deeper dive on an issue that most young families face, which is how do you protect your family in the event of an untimely passing? So what happens to the family if the breadwinner passes? How can you protect against that potential risk? And what are the key things we're thinking about as you go about attempting to do so? So here today to join us to talk about these issues and holding to his promise to join me again for another edition of the podcast is my good friend, Mr. David Mietti. He's the executive director here at UBS. He's a wealth planning strategist and my colleague. David, welcome back. And thank you so much for agreeing to spend some more time with us today. Great. Thank you very much, Eric, for having me. I'm always happy to help you any way I can. Well, I appreciate it, and I know our listeners do, too. So I think the intro really started to touch on it all, but today we really want to get into this idea of life insurance and planning for young families, how that works, right? Um, I think, as always, whenever we're starting a conversation, at least when we do it here from uh, the Wealth Planning Strategist team, we're focusing on basics, getting back to basics, which is planning and objectives for us. So let's start there. What would you say is the top priority for the parents of a young family? Well, actually, I mean, the, the top priority is determining guardians for your minor children. I mean, if you don't do that right, nothing else really seems to matter. So that's the top priority. But if we're talking about it from a financial point of view, um, there are two priorities that really go hand in hand. Uh, one would be protecting income. Like what happens uh, if a working parent can no longer work, either through disability or through death? You know, plans needed to replace that loss of income. And the second, which goes along with that, more of a long-term strategy, is a you know, really disciplined savings strategy. So they go hand-in-hand hand together. So when you're having these two strategies together, it's pretty easy to understand, you know, the loss of income. What does that mean? Um, but saving strategy is a little bit different. Saving strategy really involves balancing income and available resources with current expenses, you know, such as, you know, child care, housing, utilities, food, that kind of stuff, um, and future expenses, things that aren't here right now but down the road, like college education for children. So those are the things that really need to be balanced together, and there are a lot of different options that you can use to uh, address both of those. All right, that makes sense. So we're, we're going to start with a focus on protecting the income, right? That makes sense. How do we do this so that it works within a family budget, right? Because Everybody would automatically say, yeah, sure, I want to protect my family, but, but how, do we, how do we work that in when we know we've got, you know, everybody's got restrictions in terms of uh, income and expense? Exactly. Well, the best way to start is with a financial plan because a financial plan will really give you the foundation of you know, your assets, your cash flows, your expenses, put it all together. Once you've got a, you know, that put together, a key element of all that in protecting income really is insurance. 
Um, disability insurance, uh, if an event of a parent becomes disabled, you're more likely to become disabled than you are to die prematurely. Um, and then life insurance, just in case your parent does die prematurely. So those two insurance solutions really go together. We'll talk today primarily about uh, life insurance, but I didn't want to, you know, leave disability aside. Right. Disability certainly is a key element. And, and, and maybe I'll do the teaser here and we'll get you to come back and talk about disability insurance. See how this works? I can just do this. I can do okay. this forever. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But if, if we're focusing on life insurance, as we are today, uh, what does a family do in terms of focus, right? Because we're talking about planning. We know we like to go through the planning element, talk about the goals and objectives and the incomes, expenses, like all that comes together. But if we focus on that income, what should a young family be considering, you know, in order to protect that income? Well, there really are, are three things, I think. Um, the first would be, you know, the cost of insurance, right? Uh, the cost of insurance has to work into the family's budget. It has to be a priority element in the family's budget. So the cost of insurance is really based on the health and the age of the person who's insured. So obviously, the younger you are and the healthier you are, the cheaper the cost of that insurance is going to be. Uh, the second thing really has to do with you know, the kinds of bells and whistles that different insurance policies you know, bring to the table. It's not necessarily the cheapest insurance. You may find that the cheapest insurance doesn't really offer the kinds of special things that you and your family may need. So it's really important to focus more on the bells and whistles than it is just the cost of the insurance. And then finally, um, you know, different types of insurance are really out there to address you know, different planning objectives. So, for example, term insurance, you know, is insurance that's really there to get sufficient funds to reach a point in time, um, such as getting kids through college, for example. Uh, but permanent insurance is really long-term insurance designed to last for your lifetime and really may be a good part of your long-term savings strategy. So it's important to think of all, all three of these elements as you're looking at insurance. To, importantly as well, to make sure that whatever insurance policies you decide to take on for your family, make sure that there's flexibility in them so they can adapt to changing circumstances as well. You never know what the future is going to bring. Well, that's, that's true. I mean, flexibility is always key in any kind of planning we do. Um, so let's just recap really quickly because that was, that was quite a bit. So the three areas of focus are cost. You know, the bells and whistles, meaning the features of that policy, and then the type of policy. Okay, we got it. So I'm a listener. I've got a young family. You've got my attention, right? I want to figure out how to protect my income. How do I know whether I need life insurance? Well, let's talk about the kinds of people who are most commonly looking at life insurance. Again, we're focusing on the young family, okay? So first of all, it's the breadwinner. Those parents who are working outside the home and generating income for the family. So if you're one of those, you need some insurance. The next would be, which is often forgotten, are the stay-at-home parents. You know, parents who stay at home, raise the kids, maintain the household. Those are unpaid services that if that parent wasn't around, the surviving parents are going to have to find someone to do it for them, and that's going to cost money. So the key here is pay attention to what kind of things that the stay-at-home parent is contributing to the family and make sure that that is insured as well. And then thirdly, again, another thing that people don't think about, you've got parents, you've got grandparents, you've got aunts and uncles. There are lots of people who aren't necessarily parents of minors who are also responsible for raising those minors as well. So think about people who may have extended families, not just minor children that they have to look after. Yep. You know, I, when you say all that, it really makes you think it's really about reliance, right? If you have people who are relying on you to provide, whether it's parents, grandparents, kids, others, you know, that's, that's a situation um, where you're going to probably need some coverage. So 
right, we've identified, you know, who who really probably should have coverage. Who doesn't need coverage then? Well, in a way, you just asked, you answered it, right? You know, if anyone, if, if you don't have anyone who relies upon you, if no one's going to be financially at risk with your death, then you probably don't need insurance. But keep in mind, you may not need insurance at that moment in time. Think of the future. So, for example, if you're unmarried right now and no one's going to you know, be at risk if you pass away, not a problem. But what if you plan on getting married down the road? What if you plan on having children? So, you know, you may not want to wait for that future event to occur. You may want to get some life insurance early on because, as I said, life insurance early on is, is cheaper uh, when you're younger and cheaper when you're healthier. Right. And so I'm going to take one of your examples because I love examples. Um, let's use the breadwinner, right? That's a very common one that mm-hmm. we see on a regular basis. Um, so I'm the breadwinner in the family. I think I need coverage. Again, I'm that young family out there listening today. Uh, you've mentioned a little bit about the different kinds of insurance, but can you go back through that? What types of insurance should they really be considering? Sure. Um, so there's really there's basically two broad types. There's term life insurance and permanent life insurance. Now, term life insurance is really you know, insurance that's lasting for a period of time. You know, duration is the key thing. It can last 10 years or 20 years, but it's going to end at a period of time. And if you haven't died before then or it's matured, then when the term is over, the insurance is over. Um, permanent life insurance is different. Permanent life insurance lasts for your entire lifetime. So you may hear things like a whole life or universal life. Those, those terms apply to permanent insurance, not term insurance. So that really helps, right, because you've got two really common types, term and permanent. How do you decide, though, between the two, right? We, we, we spend a fair amount of time deciding which is really the better choice. And I know a lot of it's fact-specific, but what are your thoughts there? Well, actually, you, you, fact-specific is important, but broadly speaking, you want to think in terms of you know, what is it you're actually insuring. So for most young families, you know, fresh out of school, you know, real little kids, et cetera, you're starting your career. For most folks, term life insurance is the most often used life insurance because it's inexpensive and can fit into your budget, okay? It's a great way to start. A lot of times, you know, you can start by getting term insurance just through your employer, okay? So think of that little bit of term insurance, especially through your employer, as a way to get started, okay? Uh, but term insurance is really designed to last until you really no longer need insurance for that purpose. Usually term insurance is purchased for a family uh, to expire, let's say, when the youngest child gets out of college. Okay, when the last kid's out of school, they're gone, you're an empty nester, you don't need insurance to take care of raising that and educating that child. Permanent insurance, though, is different. Permanent insurance is really, think of it as saving for retirement. In addition to death benefit, permanent insurance can be a great savings way to build cash value within the policy that you can be used later for different purposes or even providing financial security for a surviving spouse in retirement. So it's not just, it's not just, okay, I got a, a quick snapshot. There's actually a lot to consider here in terms of what we're planning for. And I think that goes back to everything we talk about in terms of planning, right? We're, this is part of a larger conversation, typically, right? in, in terms right. of what we normally do. Um, so with what you just said, are there other reasons maybe for coverage as well? outside of the, you know, the things that we just mentioned. Oh, oh, sure. I mean, you know, there's lots of reasons out there for life insurance. I mean, the ones that we deal with most often, in addition to income replacement, which actually is where most people are. Most people are in the income replacement part of getting insurance. But there are other reasons, like, you know, estate planning reasons, uh, wealth preservation planning, liquidity planning, 
business succession planning. I mean, it's it's really far and wide. It depends on what your facts and circumstances are because you need access to funds, um, whether you either don't have them or they disappear or you're just illiquid. Insurance is a great way of providing access to those funds. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So then let's let's get to the sort of the a little bit of the elephant in the room here. What uh, what's the cost here, right? This is always comes down to the, the, the big piece of this discussion is, is how much should they buy and, and sort of alongside of that, what is that, what is that cost and how does that all, how do we look at that? Sure. Well, um, to figure out how much you want to buy, you know, you really have to look and see, you know, what are the economic circumstances that you surround yourself with? Okay. Like you can go online and there's some great, you know, financial calculators online that can help you out. But before you get to there, here are a few things to think about. So first of all, Estimate the income earned by the parent outside of the home, okay, and particularly for the period of time that you want it to cover. So it may be from now until the kids are out of school or now until retirement, but estimate what that income would be. Um, the second thing to estimate would be the economic value of the services of the stay-at-home parent. Remember, don't forget that. And if you're not sure about what that is, ask the stay-at-home parent what he or she thinks their services are worth. Believe me, they'll give you a number on that one. And then thirdly, you know, figure out your liabilities, liabilities that you may have today, liabilities down the road. So, for example, you may have uh, liabilities for your mortgage payments today and your living expenses, but maybe down the road, future liabilities such as educating the children may come down the road as well. So think of these three areas, add them together. If you have any existing life insurance, you can subtract that out, and that will give you a good feel for where, at least from a starting point, the amount of insurance that may be appropriate for your family. Yeah, I like how you frame that. That's that's often how I spend time going through these conversations, right? All those areas and really focusing on the big media ones, the things that we know, the biggest numbers, college education, right. you know, the mortgage, car right. debt or other loans, and then just, just ultimately the living expense for the surviving spouse and family or the people that you're taking care of. Um, you got to start ballparking that, right? You just have to start narrowing it down. And as you mentioned, there's lots of calculators out there um, that will help you do that. So, right. you know, I think at least initially you're trying to be more overbroad, you know, than not. Uh, if you're interested in, like, uh, really focusing on a specific dollar amount, I know people like, how much, how much, how much, you know? Well, here's a few things to think about. So, number one, if you're thinking about income replacement, a common rule of thumb, again, as a starting point, would be 10 times the salary, okay? If you're thinking about, you know, how much does it cost to raise my child? Well, you know, there are some studies out there that say it costs about 233000 or so to raise a child, one child, until age 18. Wow. And then finally, you think in terms of college education. Um, you know, the average cost of a college education is $36,400 per year. So think about roughly 145000 per child on average to get through college. So if you're looking for some, you know, dollar amounts to think about, those are the dollar amounts to, to start with. But again, reflect yeah. on your facts and circumstances of your own family because you may need more or less matches depending on what the circumstances you find yourself in. Right. And that college one is a is a big bogey as well, right? Because you just don't know. Is it, is it public? Is it private? Is it two years? Is it four years? Like where where is the child going? Are likely to go, or the children likely to go. So that it, there's a significant swing depending on what you pick there. So um, it's helpful it, to have those estimates. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that, Eric, and especially with the with the college because it, it keeps increasing exponentially every year. Uh, even though, but you know, the average is thirty six thousand four hundred per year. 
personally, I think that's kind of light. I really do. I think that's light. So I would, I would estimate a higher number if I was planning for college education than that. Yeah, I think, I think a buffer is always a healthy way to, to, to proceed initially. Right. And you can work off of it right there. Um, right. you know, there's one question that we also haven't touched here, and I think that's the idea about the beneficiary. So the beneficiary is that person to whom, you know, the, the benefit would be paid if something happens to that, that breadwinner, using our example. So, right. Um, how do you decide who's the beneficiary of the policy? Well, the easiest one is your spouse, right? You want, you want to name your spouse as the primary beneficiary. Um, so if spouse one passes away, spouse two receives the death benefit, because spouse two is going to be managing the family and raising the kids. So that's easy. But what happens, you know, if either both spouses pass away at the same time, or what happens if you're a single parent? What do you do? Okay. Well, you certainly don't want to name your children as beneficiaries, especially if they're minors. Uh, if you name a minor child a beneficiary, nothing's going to happen until the court appoints a guardian for them, and then it's going to be the court who's going to really be appointing whoever's going to be managing those funds as well. So that's just really not a good idea. That's just tempting fate. Not a good idea. So if you're going to have minor children and insurance would be really part of your plan, I highly recommend that you have a separate life insurance trust, you know, separate from whatever trust or wills you have in your own regular estate plan. You should have a separate life insurance trust. That trust can operate under the terms that you determine, you know, such as how the trust will be managed, how it will be administered for your children, what kind of distributions will be made and at what time. So you really will control everything by the trust. And then you can have someone whom you do trust to act as trustee. But the key point here is to make sure, this is my gray hair speaking, make sure that the person who's going to be the trustee and managing the funds is not the same person who's raising the children. You don't want the guardian and the trustee to be the same person. It's like having the fox guard the hen house. There's no checks and balances there. And let me tell you, fox guarding the hen house is not a good strategy for those hens. Okay. Yeah. She has folks involved with that. We've we've unfortunately all used that phrase all too often in our industry. Um, when uh, when the fox is guarding the hen house, literally, uh, they've got the keys to right. the kingdom, and if they want to go take some, some some money out of that trust or out of that pot, they will. They will. You know, sometimes the wrong actor will do so. So it, it gives you another another safeguard against that possibility. And that's true. And and honestly, you know, not necessarily out of any kind of malice or ill will or bad intent. Sometimes people just make mistakes, you know, and it, it's just good to have a balance there between people raising the child and someone taking care of the fund. No, all great points. Um, and I'm David. I'm looking at the clock, and we are up against number. Uh, as always, it goes so quickly. Um, great content today. I really appreciate you doing the follow-up here on the life insurance. Uh, this has been really helpful. So thank you. Thank you again for the time. You're very, very welcome, Eric, and invite me back. I'm happy to join you again. Ah, well, I'm going to take you up on that. Dan, hit record on this one. All right. So um, with that, uh, that wraps another session of the Wealth Planning Podcast. Uh, we appreciate your time joining us today. Uh, for our listeners, if you have questions regarding today's discussion or want to speak further regarding discussion on how to start this insurance discussion and protection for your family, please reach out to your UBS financial advisor who can help you start that process and bring in the resources like David and our team into the discussion. So thanks again, and please join us next month for another installment of the Wealth Playing Podcast.
As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy. 